Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the We Believe Do You Paranormal Podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Michelle. And today's guest is I I kind of hate when people say this, but I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Is from across the pond. Uh, is, oh, uh, yeah, is that cliche? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I had to, I had pond. to. It's, it's the first time we've had somebody from the UK, um, Northern Ireland specifically. Uh, it's kind of exciting. Love the accent. I'm just going to yes. throw that out there as well. Uh, <laughs> Thank so, you very much. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, this is Chris, guys. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself further? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Chris McMurray. I'm the chairperson of the Northern Ireland UFO Society. Um, I'm currently living and working in England, so I'm a bit disjointed from the group. And uh, I guess our speciality is uh, UFOs and all related phenomena, but it doesn't just end there. I've done uh, many ghost hunts as well, or paranormal investigations, uh, which I'll share with you some of the notable experiences I've had Um whether it's UFO-related or, or paranormal. I have a funny feeling this is going to be a great uh, great topic of discussion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Michelle's, Michelle, I know Michelle's excited. Well, I mean, uh, I'm excited definitely. too, but <laughs> she's extra excited about the UFOs. Yes. And I, I told Eric, um, I think it was last, last recording, that uh, I feel like the month of February is going to be pretty alien heavy and the we usually do a deep dive and that's that'll be the topic is some uh, a UFO experience and then having you on as the first guest of february as well i mean it's just lining up perfectly for me so i'm definitely excited about today no actually i think he would be the last guest of january oh that's right there's an extra it's, it's okay yeah, well it's extreme. gonna bleed into february then yeah we can we can make uh <laughs> yes we can make our uh our uh stories of high strangeness all ufo related so we'll just kind of like go. blend Fade into February and make it all makes sense. (laughs) Well, it's good that uh, you've got a plan, and uh, it it sounds pretty good. Sounds very streamlined. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing it uh, and following you guys. Awesome! No, thank you. Well, uh, the first question that we uh, usually ask our guests to kind of get the ball rolling as far as uh, sharing experiences is: What was your very first paranormal experience that you can remember? Do you know I? Don't really, I I can't really put a finger in anything overly early. Now, I'm 34 years old, and I can't really remember any sort of paranormal experiences back in my my childhood. Certainly things that I can't explain anyway. But one of the earliest ones I do know is from my probably preteen years. You know, I'm talking about maybe 10, 11 years old. Um, I, for some reason... It was in the middle of the night and I was supposed to be going to bed. I was supposed to be sleeping, what have you. But something drew me to the window. Something made me want to look out of the window into the neighborhood. And the the first thing uh, that I noticed was this like small hunched over looking creature uh, about two doors down where, uh, you know, beside uh, the neighbors in the front garden looking over the fence. And um, the, the best way I could describe it, it, it looked like it was sort of small body uh broad at the bottom and it narrowed as it got up to the top and then this tiny little head on it and for some reason my instinct was to tell me don't take your eyes off this whatever you see and the second instinct kicks in i'm screaming for my mum <laughs> to come upstairs <laughs> and take a look out the window to see if she could see what i could see and she went into the other room to look out the window but she couldn't see anything but i could clearly see this thing standing in front of the neighbor's uh, garden 
and I can't explain what it is. And then whenever I went into the room uh, that she was in to try and sort of guide her eyes onto where she's supposed to be looking, I couldn't see the damn thing. Uh-huh. It, it, it had gone in that space of time, in the space of what, maybe 10 seconds, um, it had disappeared. And that is definitely the earliest thing that I, uh, that I can remember offhand. Um, but I don't think there was anything earlier than that. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I've definitely heard that. Um, I, I don't know if you'd necessarily call it like a phenomenon, but that uh, in, in some, especially alien stories or what's now being called married men experiences too, is people being drawn to a spot. Like, I, I don't know why, but I have to go look out the window right now. And then that's when they see something that I guess they're not supposed to be seeing. Um, have you Have you ever heard of that before or... Uh, I, I've heard, uh, yeah, I suppose that would relate to, um, I have a feeling that I'm being watched or, or I'm, I have a feeling that something's calling. It must be, it must relate to that. I've definitely heard of it before. Yeah. And again, it, it just, it just felt like an instinct just to get up and look out the window. I, I can't describe it. I, I, I can't say that I had a voice in my head to tell mm-hmm. me to do it because uh, I didn't. Um, it was just uh, a desire to get up and look out the window. And what the creature was, I, I don't know. I can't even speculate whether it was um, like alien uh, or at the time I was terrified of the banshee. Um, mm. I, my mum's fiance, um, his father, used to tell me stories about the banshee and how he used to hear uh, the banshee before. Uh, he told me all about the legend. If you looked at it, you would die. If you heard it, somebody's going to die in the family. Yeah, that, that was the sort of general uh, story behind it. And he was telling me of a story one night that really terrified me was where he got up in the middle of the night for a glass of water. Uh, and then he heard this God awful crying coming from out the back, uh, back of his house. And he said he dared not look out the window just in case. And then within about, um, yeah, I think he said in about two hours, the family got a phone call to say that uh, a family member had died. Oh, and that oh, absolutely petrified me. So, um, it can't be the banshee because I looked at it yeah. and I'm still alive. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you guys would like to learn more about the banshee, we have a deep dive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did, was it moving at all or was it just standing there? I, like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious as to what, what it was doing other than like just staring. Because I over even the feel like there. almost like a troll or something. Yeah. I, I can't. Well, the only movement it, it sort of was doing was like a subtle rocking back and forth. Oh, I hate that. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> oh like, like, in, like, it, like it was swaying in the wind, but it, it wasn't pronounced. It was just just a gentle sway back and forth. And mm-hmm. um, there was like um, the thing I can equate it to. The shape of the head sort of looked like, um, I'm sure you've seen Star Wars. And mm-hmm. there's this weird alien creature with like three eyes that, point out in front of it mm-hmm. um uh, that's the best way i could describe it. it it wasn't it was just a shape of head as i'm not saying it had three eyes pointing in front of it yeah. it just had that sort of generic shape head but um i didn't notice it move its head up or down it just happened to be slouching over the uh over the fence ever so slightly just swaying back and forth so interesting and and it's just a shame we didn't have you know cell phones back then just to pop on the take a you picture know, video record or it or like something yeah well that that would have been too convenient we wouldn't have anything handy like that no that was well before um cell phones had cameras uh in them definitely well before uh, the iphone had come out uh you had to go downstairs and rummage out the old clunky camera didn't you and then even mm-hmm. then um you know it wasn't instant you, you had to wait for the film to be developed. 
Yeah. And then and then if you did happen to have an iPhone, I'm sure it would have looked like, you know, you took the film with a potato. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All blurry. iPhones, they were horribly pixelated. And I'm sure at that distance, uh, at that time of night, the picture quality would not have been that good at all. You, you wouldn't mm-hmm. have been able to make heads or tails of, of what you were looking at, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Now, well, I'm, I'm curious, one, to hear more of your experiences, but also um, to know what got you into the, to the Northern Ireland UFO Society? What kind of drew you to, to work with them? I've always been interested in UFOs for as long as I can remember, and I've been a member of various online UFO groups, etc. And um, in 2013, I was between jobs at the time. So I've had a, a wealth of time on my hands and I was rummaging through YouTube, finding all these videos. And uh, then I thought I remembered there was something about uh, a UFO group being established in Northern Ireland. I'm sure if I find them, I'll be able to uh, I'll be able to join them and what have you. Mm-hmm. And I searched online and I could see no evidence of this group existing anymore. I'm, I'm almost I'm 99 percent certain that they did exist. Can't even remember what the name was, but um, they no longer existed. So then I got the idea to start um, the Northern Ireland UFO Society with uh, a friend of mine uh, called Jamie and uh, wrote down all these different ideas for names and what have you. Uh, and I thought the best name to give it is pretty simple in identifying who we are, the Northern Ireland UFO Society. And um, at that time, I the research that I was going down, it led me to see that there is a link between the metaphysical side and the UFO side. And there's not very many UFO groups out there at the moment, certainly not at that time, but at the moment that recognize that there is a diff- uh, that there is a, a link between the metaphysical side of the paranormal and uh, the UFO side. And that, that could be something as simple as interdimensional beings, etc. So NIOFOS was, was founded on the principle of trying to bridge that gap and for those who are interested in uh, the paranormal and ufology. Nice. I mean, that's... That's awesome. I mean, I, I think it's always important that that we create these, you know, groups and, and things that people can connect and like have a safe space, you know, I suppose to uh, share their experiences and, and try and get more information on, yeah, what is going on? Because, you know, part of me feels like we never will. Um, but things seem to be getting leaked out slowly as far as I mean, information. Yeah, and um, you've obviously got your UFO enthusiasts who are much more knowledgeable than me who joined the group, and they've been a fantastic asset to it. And you mentioned the safe space, and, and yes, it does act uh, as a safe space for people to come and share their encounters, um, their experiences, etc. Uh, we even have um, ex-police officers uh, who have joined our group and told us of some of the experiences that they've had as well, because they couldn't say it to their um you know their colleagues or their you know their sort of friendship circle because they'd be ridiculed you know so um uh, it took one of our members uh rodney to um establish like a pastoral rule is how he is how he describes it where we would listen to um people's accounts and then sort of um talk them through what they saw you know So, so um you know, not making them feel uh, secluded or or rejected or on their own. Yeah, no, that's that's a good thing. I, I'm 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 glad that that you're providing that for for people. Definitely. Um, so, what are or what is uh, an experience that you 
have had or if you have had with a UFO encounter? I didn't have an experience with a UFO encounter until fairly recently in my years. Well, when we began um, my UFOs, uh, we went out for a watch night and we our first watch night and it was in County Donegal in the Republic. And uh, we didn't see anything with our own eyes at that point. But uh, there was um, a camera, like a prototype camera, a multi-spectrum camera that didn't need, uh, you know, uh, supplementary infrared light all that it it just worked off the ambient light Uh, and this camera was designed by a friend of mine called Barry Fitzgerald Uh, he uh, is better known in the paranormal circles as being a host on Ghost Hunters International Uh, he used uh, used to be on it and he brought out this prototype camera and it was a Awful, awful night. It was windy. The wind, uh, you know, was carrying the wind, uh, the rain sideways, uh, and it was on the coast. So it was horrible weather, and we didn't see anything. And a few of us, a few of us, managed to grizz, uh, you know, the horrible conditions. And Barry set up this camera in his car. And when we re- reviewed the footage back, uh, he showed us something of interest, and it, it looked like this blinding white light that uh, illuminated the cloud base and then descended under the clouds and then just hovered there before uh, disappearing. Now, I can't remember whether it blinked out or if it went back up into the clouds. I I can't remember that. But it was over in the general direction that we were looking at. And throughout that night, we did not see anything like that with our own eyes. It was picked up on the camera. It was bright enough enough on the camera that it looked like it was uh, illuminating the ground. So it was obviously emitting a light that we couldn't see. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, That that was the first sort of UFO experience that I can't explain. Um, Other ones, uh, again, if we go back to County Donegal, um, we were in a village called Ballyliffin. And this was probably about 2018, actually. And uh, a few of us had rented out an Airbnb to stay over the weekend because we turned... um, uh, a weekend in the summer into a social evening and uh, on watch night, you know, social weekend on watch night. And um, I took that as an opportunity to teach the sort of newer members uh, what a satellite looks like when it's crossing the sky, what uh, aircraft look like from different angles, uh, you know, approaching, flying away from you, uh, flying left to right and right to left, etc. what that looks like, what meteors look like, all, all the things that can be explained. And uh, my chief researcher, Ed, he brought my attention to something that was traveling, um, I would say, west to east, and it had stopped. And he goes, that's something of interest there if you take a look at it. And he got his laser pointer out, and he pointed at it, uh, you know, oh. for me to, to draw my <laughs> eyes onto it. Because that could be anything if you're looking at the stars, you could be looking at anything. Yeah. And mm. it flashed. Oh. God damn. Uh, do that again. And he did it, he flashed twice. And it flashed back twice. And he did it another two times. And it flashed back another two times. And then he flashed back three times. And then it flashed back three times before it, it carried on the way it was going. Um, that was the first one that we saw of that night. And then there was another one that we saw uh, traveling, uh, I'd say, south to north, if I'm orientated correctly. And uh, it did the same. It had stopped. Uh, it flashed at us with uh, our laser pointer. And then it went back the way it came. Um, so... That, that's what we've mostly seen in the watch nights that we've that we've been doing. There's another one uh, not too far away from Donegal in a place uh, called County Antrim. There's a place in there uh, called McGarry Cross Viewpoint, 
It's next to uh, a castle uh, called Dunluce Castle. It was between the village of Portrush, the town of Portrush, and uh, the uh, and that castle. And again, we did the same thing. It was just the two of us. We were uh, up the viewing point all night. We didn't think anything was happening. We didn't see a thing. We seen loads of aircraft and we'd seen loads of satellites. But uh, this must have been coming up to about two in the morning and you're just sat in your chair. You're deflated. You haven't seen anything exciting. And just out of randomness, I decided I'll flash uh, the laser pointer up at the sky in, a, in a, what looked like a, an empty part of the sky. And then we got flashes back. Um, about a month or so after, we went to the exact same place again. And we managed to capture it on video footage. And I, I'm not sure, I can't remember whether I stuck the video footage up on YouTube or our Facebook page, uh, but it's definitely up there for people to look at if they want to take a look at it. Uh, awesome. It's phenomenal when it flashes back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like you guys are lucky you weren't like blasted by these aliens. Uh, <laughs> First uh, of all, I feel it was lucky that I wasn't uh, captured by like, yeah. some military or something like that. Oh, you know, that was, too. Uh, you know um, either communicating with them or what. I don't know. Yeah. The other thing that would have been interesting is if you all started like doing Morse code and it started responding. But again, like you said, it could, it could have just been like a military, like, aircraft responding back or something but so before you do that you have to be extra sure that it's not an aircraft because i'm sure yeah. uh, the law in the united states has got to be the same here surely it is illegal to shine a laser pointer at uh, like a terrestrial aircraft, aircraft definitely 100 yeah. um a lot of time we didn't know it was there uh sometimes we did know it was there but it didn't display any characteristics of an aircraft i mean mm -hmm. i'm I'm learning to fly. Um, you know, I'm aiming to be a private pilot. So I've studied air law and what have you. And I, I know what um, different lights mean on aircraft. We brought up Flight Radar 24. There was no aircraft in that area at, uh, at that time. Um, and it can't be military aircraft in the area because if it's flying over a friendly airspace, it has to have a transponder on. Uh, and a transponder is... Um, it's a bit like a secondary radar. It's a bit more accurate and it gives more information than primary radar. Primary radar is where radiation is blasted out from the radar and it listens for a reflection. So it knows there's an object there, just you know, in that general area, but it doesn't know much else. Yeah. The secondary radar, which is a transponder, it broadcasts so much information. It gives the exact location of the aircraft, its altitude, how many people... Uh, it could be on it, its call sign, its uh, departure point, its destination. It could even have the temperature on board. Uh, you know, if it's um, an armed mili military aircraft, it'll tell you the armament that it's got uh, on board. And that, you know, there was nothing transiting that was squawking um, uh, on a, any transponder signal. So it definitely wasn't that. And of course, we brought up a satellite app as well. The only caveat to that is it doesn't have every sort of satellites uh, that's that's up there. Some of the major ones. So it wasn't any of the major ones, uh, that's for sure. Well, I feel like it blinking back at you, it's it's responding. I, I feel like there has to be some sort of intelligence behind that. No? I that, mean, That's what it would indicate. And, you know, yeah. we never really thought of it like that at the time. Um, it wasn't until I was invited onto uh, a TV show that was presented by Craig Charles. Um, if anyone uh, doesn't know who Craig Charles is, he's one of the main characters who was on the uh, British sitcom Red Dwarf, uh, if anyone's aware of that. And he was, um, I was invited onto this show and he was, you know, I spoke about that experience to them. I spoke about some of the prominent UFO um, encounters or, you know, sightings in Northern Ireland. And it wasn't until he told me that, uh, 
that you'd you'd made contact that it sort of clicked and this is like a couple of years after it happened it clicked that actually yeah that you never really thought that it was an intelligent response so by definition i suppose you you were contacting them you know yeah very weird i'm i'm curious if uh are you guys doing anything before trying to i guess you know i know that you weren't intentionally trying to make contact but before you are uh, like searching out i'm trying to uh, think of um oh my gosh i am blanking on his name like ce5 yes yeah like are you are you doing any of that uh, sort of thing to try and make contact or Um, just the the first time that we uh had the flashing light contact uh, again, that was in County Donegal. Um, there were two um, practicing witches um, as a member of our group. And, you know, they wanted to do their own little thing where, you know, they did their own ritual, uh, willing things to appear uh, and to be seen. And, you know, maybe that did help. Uh, you know, maybe it didn't. But the, the last two times that Ed and myself had went out, um, we, we didn't do any ritual or anything like that. Uh, we just went out to see if anything was there. Well, we were obviously willing something to be there, of course, yes. But um, whether that has an effect on it, I, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I, I was always curious. I mean, I remember seeing a documentary about that and I was like, I don't know about this. But I I mean, I do feel like when enough people get together to try and manifest something, you know, something could happen. Uh, or just setting that intention, like you like said. It's manifest better in um, bigger numbers. It might be the same when it comes to um, paranormal investigations and stuff like that. Um, they, you know, people in a seance or, you know, uh, linking hands around a room to try and build the energy. So maybe uh, the energy of uh, more people does have an effect on it. It, it might uh, help things material uh, materialize like that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Which one you... of these people are we going to take today? Tonight. You think that's what they're saying? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Uh, that would be uh, awful. It's a free, a free yeah, trip. right? <laughs> it's, you know, as long as I leave yeah. it back, I'm okay. Yeah. I keep saying that. I'm like, oh, just like take me off this planet. And then part of me is like, uh, do I actually want that? <laughs> it might be too well, scary. You know, um, uh, I, I would make the joke and say that I'd want to come back because uh, the girlfriend has an awesome cat. Uh, like we've got an unbroken bond. The cat prefers me over her. Yeah. I have to go back <laughs> to see the cat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, if the cat comes with me, then yeah, sure. Uh, um, yeah. I don't need to come back then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Swiss cat. It, yeah. It tends to happen. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. I know. I know. We. I was going to say. I know. We. We had. Uh, we got a couple ca- uh, cats, and um, I was. I'm not. Well, I wasn't a, a cat person, uh, and uh, my wife, girlfriend at the time. You know, she, I mean, she loves cats. So it was always funny to me that the cats always kind of seem to gravitate towards me a little bit more than not her. Like they still go with her. But if either one of us is on the couch, they tend to some of they tend to come over to me. Uh, it's, it's funny. That means you <laughs> like, are oh. the chosen one. Yeah. Uh, that's mm. a very high uh, honor to, to have bestowed upon you by a cat. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Well, I'm curious if you've you've had. Uh, sorry, Ugh, can you tell that I'm still trying to wake up this morning? <laughs> Struggling. Uh, I've been brain. for uh, six hours now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's crazy. I'm curious if you have any other um, experiences, uh, UFO, alien related, or I mean, you did mention you had some paranormal experiences as well, as far as ghostly. I guess uh, I'd love to hear some of that as well. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a uh, there's a couple more UFO experiences. That okay, keep remember. going, keep going. That's <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are. Yeah, um, the uh, there's a time that um, a member who used to be with us, uh, Patrick. Uh, in fact, he's joined again actually. But him and myself, there's there's a mountain range in County Down, uh, towards the south of County Down in Northern Ireland, uh, called the Morn Mountains or the Kingdom of Morn, as it used to be ages ago, and we thought we would go and investigate that area because one, it's granite. The mountains are made out of granite. And over our years of researching, we find that all these sort of strange phenomena tend to happen around um, uh, like granite areas or coastal areas. And we, we put that down to the, you know, the sort of crystalline nature of the sand and salt water and all that sort of stuff. So uh, we went to the Burn Mountains after, you know, realizing that and a few reports in the area. And again, there just seems to be a common theme here. This was a really windy night. No rain, luckily enough, but really, really windy. We thought the tent was going to take off with us in it oh, <laughs> at wow. one point. But um, there were there were uh, lights that we saw way off in the distance that we couldn't explain. And we're talking about maybe uh, one, two, three in the morning uh, that we'd seen it. And it, it looked like that the, the, the lights were orange. And it appeared from behind the mountains that were in front of us uh, at quite some distance. I'd probably estimate maybe about 10 miles, I think. And it just hovered there and stayed. And, uh, you know, we, we tried recording it. I think we did actually get it in video. I just need to see if I can find those videos again. Um, and then it just disappeared. And then uh, about half an hour later, it appeared uh, coming from the other direction, from left to right did exactly the same thing, hovered in the same area before disappearing. And uh, of course, we brought up flight radar, etc. There was no aircraft in the sky. That was far too windy for a start. Um, the airports at the time uh, that happened in Northern Ireland, they're all shut. They're not 24-hour airports. They they open at maybe 5 in the morning and close last flight at like 11, 12 o'clock at night. Um, it wouldn't have been, it wasn't uh, a helicopter, uh, the the helicopters and you know the police helicopter will not fly in that sort of weather. It's it's far too dangerous. Um, and the the flight of this thing and how it hovered, it was just so steady. Uh, it just seemed to defy the laws of physics. Uh, it didn't seem to vibrate. It didn't seem to rock in that wind. And uh, we just couldn't explain it. And then. Patrick got a little bit spooked uh, as the wind got a bit stronger. So we had to pack up uh, and disappear and go back to our French house for the rest of the night. Um, that was um, a, a fascinating thing to say. I, I cannot I have no explanation for that at all. Uh, yeah, I it's, would assume, I would assume, especially with it being as windy as it was, like it couldn't be a flare or some sort of, you know, um, with it, like the lanterns with that, float with the fire like that because that's kind of where my brain went but the fact that it was so windy i feel like that wouldn't even be possible either for anything to I mean, even with stick. even if it was that and it was that windy there there's no chance it would have got to that altitude it would have just yeah. been blown across uh blown across the ground it would never have taken off yeah um, and i'm well first in uh chinese lanterns what have you because a lot of our reports that we've got they've always mm. ended up being chinese you know not always but a lot of the time Makes sense, yeah. ended up being chinese lanterns and i suppose yeah you can see if people don't really understand what they are or haven't seen them before, then yeah, of course they're going to mistake them for a UFO and they can be uh, forgiven for that. But uh, definitely not that, definitely not uh, an aircraft uh, in the conventional sense. Um, I really, really don't know what it could have been. 
Yeah. And it's just interesting to me that you mentioned also about the granite and that, you know, sometimes a lot of these phenomena occur around these kinds of elements, because I feel like that's kind of a, a, a theme in some paranormal activity as well, which like, you know, regarding stone tape theory and stuff like that, which kind of goes back to what Michelle was discussing or what Michelle's mentioned before another, another of our podcasts about that kind of uh, parallel between the paranormal and alien UFO uh, encounters and stuff like that. It's like, well, is it paranormal or is it, I mean, it's paranormal because it's, you know, not normal, norm, not normal <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it, it doesn't, conform, it doesn't conform to what is understood to be normal. Anything beyond what's understood to be normal is, I suppose, by definition, paranormal, isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I find that I find that kind of interesting. And I had I personally, again, I'm not well versed in UFOs, so I hadn't really heard, you know, that aspect of it where you know they're drawn towards these, you know, like granite or those kinds of areas. Yeah, I mean, like certainly in Northern Ireland, that's where the that's where a lot of the reports come from. If it's uh, if it's not by the coast, it's in uh, mountainous areas. Uh, if it's not in the Moor Mountains or uh, the Sparren Mountains up north, then it's at Cave Hill in Belfast. Although a lot of the time, the one at Cave Hill, it, I think that would be um, aircraft with landing lights on because it's in the flight path right between two airports. The uh, Aldergrove Airport also known as Belfast International Airport and then uh, Belfast City Airport. So it's a very it's a very busy flight path. So if you see lights uh, along there, it could well be um, uh, like a landing aircraft. Okay. Yes. But yeah, we, we find that a lot of the uh, in particular, the strange lights, nocturnal lights seem to happen in around these sort of um, mountainous and coastal areas. So it could be a natural phenomenon that we don't mm. know or understand yet. And I'm yeah. uh, as a UFO investigator, you have to be open-minded to yes. all possibilities. There's UFO investigators out there that no matter what they say, it is 100% a UFO. Uh, and it might not be. Uh, you know, you, you need to take the middle path with this uh, and, and and be honest with yourself, you know. Yeah. I, I, I like that because we were just, well, Michelle just recently watched it and got me to watch the that Enfield Enfield documentary, and uh, I forget the, the name of this this for the society. No, no, no. Oh, the sorry. the Society for Cyclical Cyclical Research. Yeah, cyclical. Well, I feel like cyclical, we had some cyclical. Yeah, okay. it's cyclical. Um, but it, it, I feel like what you guys are doing is very similar to that. Where I mean. I don't know if you all do symposiums and stuff, but they get together and uh, either, I guess, discuss topics that they're either investigating or they get together to try and see if they want to investigate a topic and just go over each other's research and I guess even challenge each other. And I think that's like when we first started this, when we did our deep dive on the on the Enfield ghost, I, I think me and Michelle were kind of like, oh, this person just came in and is like just discredited, tried to discredit everything and didn't believe anything. And then after watching the documentary, you're like, OK, well, like I can I can understand why she would do that and this and that. And, um, you know, it, it it just I think it does Add benefit. Yeah, yeah. It, it benefits more than it, it, it hurts because you're just trying to prove it and and think of all possibilities and not just automatically jump to yes it's 100 percent this or yes it's 100 in your y'all's case 
you know, it's, yes, it's, uh, you don't want to say it's 100% a UFO. You have to look at all possibilities of what it could be. And when you mention like, you know, about the, you know, the transponders and that you're like looking at all these things, I'm like, okay, that's good because at least you're looking at all that and trying to, you know, take those, uh, possibilities away as, as far as it could be an aircraft or something like that. And then you're down to, okay, so what was it? And then try, yeah, so, you know, I mean, go from yeah, there. The best way to do it is to sort of theorize what else it could be. And then mm -hmm. you need to test that theory, don't you? Yes. Um, so uh, was it a weather balloon? Uh, you contact the Met office here uh, and they are able to confirm or deny that they launched a weather balloon at that point. Um, is it a satellite? You can do everything within your power uh, to take a look. Uh, at all the known objects uh, that were in the area at that time. Uh, there's a really good app, and I can't remember the name offhand now, but uh, it not only tracks satellites, but it also tracks defunct satellites and, and known space debris, you know. Uh, oh, wow. So we check that as well. And, of course, your flight radar 24 to check the uh, transponders. Now, granted, uh, there are some aircraft that will be flying through uh, UK airspace, that won't have a transponder on and they tend to be uh private aircraft you know micro lights and that sort of stuff there's no requirement for them to have it because um in order to put the transponder on it'll it depends on the class of airspace that you're allowed to fly through in the uk there's like five different classes of airspace and uh above a certain height it's class a airspace and that's your sort of uh, uh your commercial pilots military pilots etc uh private pilots tend not to be allowed to fly in other airspaces so they don't have to file uh, a flight plan or anything like that they can just fly at their leisure the way we know it wasn't a private aircraft is because that private aircraft, and particularly micro lights uh if they're not allowed to fly in uh Alpha airspace, as it's called, um, they uh, they don't have lights, so they can't fly at nighttime. So it definitely wasn't that either. Plus, the aircraft can't uh, <laughs> private aircraft can't get up that high. If I was to try and take the micro light that I fly up to that height, I, I, I'd be dead. <laughs> you know, it just wouldn't it wouldn't happen. Yeah, I mean, it seems real like not convenient, but like uh, I'm blanking out what the word is right now. But that you're going for your pilot's license right now so you have this like wealth of knowledge about airspace Aircraft, and stuff yeah. so you can you know apply that to what you know you're doing with the the ufo society it's true it certainly helps yeah and you know i'll i'll be trying to pass that sort of knowledge on to some of our investigators as well because it's important it's important to know uh, i mean we've had uh, members before who have seen satellites and they were adamant that it was definitely 100% a UFO. I'm like, no, no, that is the International Space Station. Uh, <laughs> this is how I know that. And uh, here it is on the app, you know, that sort of thing. Education um, is important yes. in, in this field, both in ufology and the metaphysics, you know, the ghosts and spiritual side of things. Um, mm. Because, um, you know, ignorance is, is your worst enemy in this field it, it can it can make or break you yeah 100 percent agree yeah i'm curious what you think you know i uh, go, kind of going back to, to this last experience that you're talking about how they just kind of hovered there um and with it being as windy as it was like they seemed unfazed do you have a theory or an idea of do you think that they're here in like the physical realm or in a different 
dimension and we just happen to kind of see that overlap by accident? Or what do you think is uh, could possibly be, or both maybe? What do you think could be going on? Uh, 100% a mix of both, I would say. Um, it all depends on what uh, the nature of the phenomena is. The, the, the lights, the nocturnal lights could well be interdimensional. Uh, mm-hmm. if it's paranormal and related. The solid objects that you would see, um, obviously there's that theory going around that they can, you know, flick a switch and at will um, jump uh, into different dimensions uh, and what have you. But again, there's also the theory where uh, they've come from uh, star systems far, far beyond here. Um, I subscribe to both theories. Um, I, I will never know 100% uh, what I've seen, uh, you know, where they've come from. Uh, but I, I definitely subscribe to, to both. It's simply because if you if you take a look at the physical aspect of it, you know, where they've come from different star systems, um, a lot of the ancient cultures uh, in their writings have described these uh, star people who come from the heavens. Uh, you know, the Anunnaki is, uh, is probably the most famous one. Um, maybe a sort of lesser known one uh, among people outside of the UFO community is the the case of the Dogen tribe in Mali and West Africa. And uh, I think it was back in the early 1900s, a French anthropologist uh, and his team went out uh, to try and acquire the, um, the cultural knowledge of, of this tribe, you know, the Dogon tribe, D-O-G-O-N tribe. And they were able to tell him uh, things that we didn't know about our solar system and, um, and astronomy at that point. They were able to say that there were sort of nine planets in our solar system. At that time, I think they only maybe knew of uh, seven, maybe. I think a couple were meant to be, uh, or were yet to be discovered. I could be wrong on that one, but um, there were certainly some planets that weren't uh, discovered by us at that time. And whenever they were asked, how do you know this? Uh, And uh, how was your sort of... uh, written language given to you and all that sort of stuff. And they always made reference to the dog people or um, uh, the, the people who come from the dog star, as they called it. The dog star turns out to be uh, Sirius, uh, the Sirius star system. Uh. And whenever the anthropologists had asked them, uh, what can you tell us about Sirius? And they were able to tell them that it was a binary so- uh, star system. At that point, we hadn't got that knowledge at all. They told them that one of the stars was invisible. And immediately you'd be thinking, all right, well, now they're going into the realms of myth and all that sort of stuff and, uh, you know, legends, etc. And uh, they said that the two stars orbit each other at a period of just over 50 years, five zero years. And I go, right, okay, fascinating. Thank you very much. And off they went. And it wasn't until uh, we're talking about maybe the 70s or 80s, whenever we had infrared telescopes and all that sort of stuff, and we pointed it at Sirius, we were able to see that Sirius was indeed a binary star system. And one of the, Siri- uh, one of the stars, which is now known as Sirius B, is uh, by definition invisible. It, it's, it is on the infrared spectrum, so you can't see it. And whenever they were uh, doing the mathematics to figure out uh, the orbit of these stars, it was about 50.1 uh, years orbit of each other. So that implies to me that uh, they definitely weren't lying. They knew what they were talking yeah. about. And they said that their source uh, was from the people who come from that star system. So that is why I subscribe to both that, yes, um, just because we don't have the technology or knowledge to go that far, it uh, doesn't mean other civilizations might not have. Yeah. 
might have to look. I'm, I just opened a Wikipedia page, so I'm gonna have to go through this later. But it, it's their masks are interesting as well. So they look alien-like or what? Uh, yeah. Yeah, oh. they, the the masks uh, and the rituals that that they do are supposed to venerate and honor um, past events with uh, their gods, uh, which are, are the people from uh, the Sirius star system. Yeah, that's so cool. I had never heard of that tribe, so thank yeah. you for yeah for sharing that information. I'm gonna go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm glad Eric pulled that up already. So you better Maybe. strap yourself in because uh, <laughs> it gets a bit spicy when you go down that rabbit hole. Uh, some <laughs> some of the knowledge there is. Uh, it's just wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, now I'm just extra excited. So <laughs> um, that'll be great. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, yeah, I, I, I kind of struggle with kind of deciding whether it's a, a physical or interdimensional. And I, I think, yeah, at, at this point, I'm like, why not both? Um, because, I mean, I, I've definitely heard of people's experiences that seem much more physical than uh, anything kind of in a different dimensional yeah um yeah and then some of the things that we see um that people term as aliens uh are you know uh, could be demons as well you know they they, they could be uh, because ghosts uh, and spirits by definition are interdimensional beings they don't quite yeah. exist or operate in in our dimension uh you tend to see them whenever they sort of cross over uh you, you know the uh, the two dimensions sort of merge uh, together at certain points um, I believe there's a difference between ghosts and spirits, by the way. I think ghosts are a natural playback from uh, that is triggered by environmental factors. It has to be exactly right. And then spirits are obviously the intelligent energy, which uh, go on to maybe a higher or maybe lower plane of existence uh, once uh, once they pass on from here. I like that distinction. I don't think we've ever... I know, I think we've of... discussed it before, but like I'm talking long... I yeah. think we've asked somebody what, you know, if the they... Yes. But I don't think, you know, nobody's like volunteer, voluntarily like well, told us. I guess because we've always called it like a residual haunting versus an yeah. uh, intelligent, intelligent haunt. Yeah. I guess that's how we've... But yeah, ghost versus spirits. I mean, that, that makes sense too. That's what it takes it back to the um the granite uh, and the mm-hmm. makeup of the area again. You know, all these haunted places tend to be in like uh, stone buildings or castles or um over sacred ground. Especially mm-hmm. in America, you know, there's a lot of places there where, you know, that weren't um sacred to Native Americans and those places mm-hmm. tend to be uh, really haunted. Uh, what is it? Is it Ghost Adventures and he tours oh, yeah. around Las Vegas <laughs> and the, the deserts and what yeah. have you? It, all yeah. these wooden buildings that tend to be haunted seem to be in some way related to uh, a stony area or an area that was sacred to the Native Americans. So I think the environment plays a, a massive factor in it indeed. Or yeah. jails, jails too. And and again, that goes back to the whole stone tape, which is what stone tape theory is, is basically that they like a tape recorder, these uh, elements or these like uh, stones and stuff, rock, natural you know, elements kind of record. Create an impression. Yeah. On, on, on these things. And, and that's what plays back like a, a, a tape of, you know, like a tape. Yeah, so. I mean, uh, um, what is an old VHS tip? And, you know, how does it work? It's a magnetic strip, isn't it? You know, um, so it, it could be something to do with uh, the magnetic field in that area, uh, uh, along with the density and the, the energy from granite, because granite is a radioactive rock. 
Um, not a deadly radioactive uh, rock, but you know it certainly does spew out some radiation anyway. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, it has like quartz in in it as well. Like, I, it does, yeah. I think it does. Yeah. If you if you look at um, a granite slab under a microscope or something like that, you can see the little like glistening little crystals. It'll, suppose yeah. it no bigger than um, a grain of sugar or or salt, and it, it just glistens. And yeah, it is. It's full of quartz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's fascinating, and I'm glad that we've kind of made our way into the ghost side of things as well just so in case people aren't into the alien stuff you can get a little bit of ghosts um so i'm curious if you've had any uh experience with a ghost or a spirit yeah well i suppose there's that figure that i'd seen that i told you about at the beginning of the podcast yeah. uh, that i couldn't explain and you know, there's there's that one um but there was uh one time so we we're staying in um like a communal uh like hostel that's about that's the word i'm looking for um it's got a shared bathroom etc and i was up that morning i was the first up that morning so i could use uh you know the the bathroom privately you know to shower and you know do whatever so get first dibs on it and um i was uh shaving at the time yeah, i'm just looking in the mirror and for some reason i just thought to myself oh, imagine if that door just started banging like oh, somebody no. was kicking it I, I thought it i, I genuinely thought it <laughs> That was very. Oh, that was a very Eric thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought. Yeah, you're. Over, you know, it's too early in the morning to be thinking this yeah. sort of stuff. And lo and behold, the door did bang. It sounded oh, like somebody was really sinking their boot in it. It didn't scare me um, because I thought somebody else was up in there. You know, just trying to. You know, either you know take the piss, you know, get me out of there, you know, try to maybe deliberately try to scare me. And I was like, yeah, come on in, mate. You know, uh, I'm al- almost done. And it happened a couple of times again. And I go, right, God damn it. So I went storming to the door. And I was probably about maybe three foot from the door at this point. And that was when the last bang had happened. And I pulled open the door and I was ready to like give this person both barrels, you know, what's for. And there was nobody there. And I looked down the corridor, uh, no one there. And I looked to my right. Um, the, it turns, uh, it goes up the corridor a little bit and then a 90 degree turn to the left. And it goes through a set of double doors, slow closing double doors. And uh, they, you know, they weren't closing. There was no one in the area at that time. I walked down past the, all the other rooms and I you know, looked in through all these other rooms and people were still asleep. That oh, was my sort of man. first weird thing, <laughs> you know, of, of something that I hadn't seen before. Um, there's also a paranormal group in Northern Ireland uh, that I love catching up with. Uh, they're called the uh, Shadow Hunters Northern Ireland. And it's run by a guy called Fra McDonald. And he's well into his UFOs and his paranormal stuff as well. And uh, he, he, runs this, uh, he runs this group. And uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I went home back to Northern Ireland for Halloween because I enjoy Halloween and, you know, uh, needed to see the, the girlfriend and, of course, the cat. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, we thought, you know, we'll, we'll go to this um, paranormal experience that they've got going. It's like a paranormal investigator experience in uh, and a disused prison called the Crumlin Road Jail or GAOL, G-A-O-L. And, uh, you know, it's rumored to be the most haunted building in Belfast. So we thought, yeah, we'll, we'll go we'll go to that. And we went out round for the experience. There was two experiences that they were running. One was like a scary experience where people were all dressed up as scary things, you know, trying to make us jump and scare the hell out of us. And, you know, 
it didn't really scare me uh, at all. If I'm honest, I don't even think it scared the girlfriend to be fair. And she's very jumpy and, and screamish. <laughs> uh, and then we went to the, uh, the paranormal <clears throat> bit, and uh, we went to the first investigation that had different experiments or investigations in different areas of the prison, and you you, you sort of went rotated around them. And the first one was in the sort of reception area where prisons uh, prisoners at the time would have been taken in, and they were processed. They were stripped of their civilian clothes and given prison clothes, etc., and they were given a wash in there. And they had mirrors in these old cubicles, and it was a scrying thing, and you had to stand and look in the mm. in the mirror in candlelight, and you know I don't remember seeing anything overly weird in it if i'm honest um and then we went back outside and uh fra was standing there uh, in a group and at this point i hadn't met fra before but uh we'd spoke on skype about his group and my group and i was like i know you and he's like i know you you're the ufo guy i'm like yeah you're the you're the ghosty guy ain't you because yeah so this was his group so uh he told us if we wait behind after everyone else leaves he'll take us for like a private investigation Ooh, that's awesome. uh, the building i uh, ran the prison and we did that and one of the first places he took me to was the um was the indoor gallows they're still there as they were when they were last used back in the 60s uh, and there's a noose all there, the trapdoor, everything's still there. The wooden frame is all still there. And uh, you know, he took us in there and he told us uh, what happens in there, what you know, that sort of stuff about the last person who was hung there. And then he took us down to what is known as the coffin room. Uh, you have to go out, or you can even go down the stairs actually uh, in the gallows, and it takes you to the uh, the area where the condemned person just hangs for an hour. He was just chilling on the end of a rope uh, before they cut down. And then in the room adjacent to it is the coffin room. The coffin is sat there waiting for them, uh, for them to be thrown into and then planted in the ground in the prison, I suppose is the best way to put it. And, uh, you know, th there was weird things that was happening there. He was telling us that whenever they did an investigation before, they've got like a teddy bear with an EMF reader in it, and it sort of uh, lights up and it blinks uh, and that sort of stuff. And he told us of the time where uh, it was thrown off the coffin in front of them, and that didn't happen to me, obviously. No. Uh, but we were down there and it would light up. And the camera that I had with me, and I went prepared. I went with like um, infrared camera and my own EMF meter. So I, I was really prepared and I ripped it out and I started recording. And, you know, I've, I've got this captured on video as well, where um, the, the entity that was in there was asking about who I was. And it's, mm. it was asking, you know, who, who am I? What am I doing here, etc. It was able to say things about me. Uh, I picked up a flashing orb in the doorway uh, where one of the cells were for prisoners to be punished. You know, if they were going to be flogged, they were put in those cells, that sort of thing. There's, uh, there's that. And then they took us to uh, the hospital wing that night. And uh, he, he took me through uh, a load of experiments there. Um, I went back since uh, with them after that uh, to the Kremlin Road Prison whenever they were still there. Uh, another one, uh, some, I, I, I can't remember chronologically what had happened, but I will, I'll tell you some of the things that did happen. Uh, we were down one of the wings, uh, I think it's D-Wing it was, and uh, you could hear uh, like the sound of heavy boots running up at the end of the corridor way down at the end mm. of the wing uh nobody in there because the sec uh, security guards the, the prison does have uh civilian security they will not go into the prison at night time they're terrified <laughs> they, they won't, they won't <laughs> he wasn't uh, smart. He, he can call them yeah. on the, yeah, 
they even called him on the radio uh, and they were able to confirm that it wasn't them. You yeah. would hear whistling. Um, what else was there? Uh, there once we were one of the times we were down in the coffin room, um, one of the uh, cell doors and one of the top floors had slammed shut. And we've tested these cell doors before. You need to put all your weight against them to close them over. So it's, it's not a draft or anything like yeah. that. Um, one of the weights that is used to open the trap door in the, uh, in the gallows, um, the, the, the weights are still there. There's two of them and they're like cylindrical lead weights. And uh, when I happened to go in with my camera and I noticed that one of the weights was uh, swinging um, clockwise, you know, in a yeah. circle. And it would just keep going and going and going. And I call people into the room. I'm like, uh, was anyone in here before I got in? And they're like, uh, yeah, but did any of you touch the, um, uh, the the weights? And they're like, well, no. I mean, well, come in and have a look at this. And they come in and they took a look and it was still swinging. So we went to the other weight and we made it swing in a circle. And it would eventually, you know, the circle would eventually get tighter and tighter and tighter as it loses momentum and then just stop. The other weight was still swinging. And uh, I think it was Fra's girlfriend at the time. She went up and stopped it with her hand. And then we just let it sit still and uh, nothing happened. And then we moved it to see whether, you know, there's some environmental factor at play here that keeps it going like a draft or something like that. And then it would, um, you know, the circles would get tighter as it would lose momentum. So we couldn't explain that one either. Mm. There's been a load of things happening in that prison, definitely. I can explain it. There is a ghost hanging there for an hour, like you said. <laughs> yeah, he's just pulling out of a rope. Wonder oh, when it's going to finish. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I offered to make a short documentary for them, um, you know, with drone footage and, uh, you know, camera footage and what have you. And it got a strike on YouTube because the oh. family of the last man who was to be hanged in that prison, uh, some of them still exist. And uh, they didn't like uh, that we were sort of featuring him, so I had to pull that down. Still got some of the video footage somewhere that we used on it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we have you heard of the Estes method as well? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we've done the Estes method in there, and uh, it proved good results. Um, one of them was uh, we were able to identify five women in white uh, over the Estes methods. And we were using uh, white noise for different experiments as well. And it had interference coming through it. And Fra, who is not a medium or anything like that, but he is sort of sensitive to energies there. He he doesn't describe himself as a medium anyway. And um, he wasn't with us at the time. He was at the other end of the prison. And once we'd done that experiment, he came in uh, to the room that we were in from the other side of the prison. And there's like, I got a feeling that there's five women uh, in white standing here somewhere. And, you know, we didn't tell him that that was, uh, that was the thing uh, or what had happened. Uh, he just, that was the first thing he said as he came in. Uh, very, very uh, odd. I just got very, very, very like, crazy deja vu. Really? Yeah. Like, of, like, Chris saying all that and or what? Yes. Huh. We've had this like, conversation before in a different dimension. But yeah, there's been a few things that's happened in that prison uh, whenever I, w- I was with them. Um, they no longer operate out of that prison uh, anymore. And they now operate out of a mill in Be- or an old mill in Belfast. And uh, I went home last year. Uh, I think it was October. It was before Halloween. Uh, just for, you know, because I was taking my summer holidays a little bit later. Uh, I went to Malta, I went back to work for a week, and then I went home for a week. 
And I said, hey, Fra, you know, I'm back in the country here. Uh, do you want to meet up? Are you doing anything? Uh, you know, I'd like to go on another paranormal investigation or just have a chat with you. And he goes, yeah, sure. We're uh, we're not running anything at the moment, but we are going to go down to another mill uh, and we're going to set up experiments in there uh, to see what we can use for uh, Halloween because the mill had asked this team to come in and throw on some experiments and a paranormal investigation for Halloween, as, as they do. And, you know, he did, um, he took us into different rooms uh, and uh, you know they tried the spirit board in this room and anesta's method in that room and put a couple of cat balls down and you know they would light up now and again so at, at this point you know that it's not something that really wows me because uh, i've seen it before you know it still fascinates me but it's not like oh my god you know that this is amazing type thing i've seen it before i come to expect this thing to happen and then it was coming towards the end of the night and he goes right well we'll go upstairs into the attic or the roof space um the public won't be going here because one the only two ways to get up in there is to go uh through the scaffolding on the outside up all these steps and what have you or to take the old Victorian rickety iron ladder that's almost coming off the wall, uh, going up into a small square uh, in, in the roof space. You couldn't take public up there because uh, if somebody injured themselves, you, you wouldn't, you know, I don't even think the insurance would cover that, to be fair. Yeah. So you go up there and it runs the whole length of the mill. And it's only illuminated by a few windows that are dotted along the ceiling and, you know, sort of like the ambient streetlight of Belfast. So you can't really see overly well in there you certainly can't see it down to the far end so i got my emf meter and i decided run and walk down and you get your usual sort of uh, spikes into the yellow amber area and a few places the red and uh, i go right down to the ferry back uh fra is like yeah yeah do you want to come outside we'll take a look and we, we stepped outside and he showed me the belfast skyline from there and then he uh, had me face the west and he pointed out the, the Black Mountain or, or Cave Hill where a lot of the UFO sightings would happen. And he said, you know, if your group want to come and do a watch night, I'm sure there's no reason why you, could, you, you couldn't come here uh, and, and just look at the, the mountain, etc. And he goes, I think I would like that. That'd be good. So then we go back inside and as I'm walking back, back down the other side um, of the attic, uh, I didn't know that some of the team members had set a cat ball on a chair. And I was probably about maybe 10 meters away from it at the time. And all of a sudden, the, the blinking lights of the cat ball had lit up. And then the, the ball had left the chair with, with force. It wasn't that it had sort of maybe rolled off a dip at the front and just mm -hmm. pathetically dropped onto the floor. It, it 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 cleared the chair as if somebody had you know had flicked it away, and I suppose that is the first time I could say that I've witnessed with my own eyes uh, what would be termed as poltergeist activity. I suppose, mm. and the moment that the ball had hit the floor, uh, I had uh, I had a, a red uh, flashlight in my hand, and I turned it on and I pointed it directly at the chair. And the nearest person to it was probably a good maybe five, six meters away from it, towards uh, where the hole in the floor as it is at this time to, to go back downstairs into the other one. There was no one near it. I, I can categorically state that now. There was no one near that chair to fling the uh, the cat ball off. And that, that took my breath away. And 
uh, somebody, uh, whenever I was telling people uh, about it and work, uh, they were like, well, didn't it scare you? And it goes, no. In fact, I did quite the opposite thing. I turned my EMF meter back on and walked over to the chair. And in the wise words of Mr. Spock, I was literally just saying, fascinating. <laughs> as I was scanning it with the <laughs> EMF meter, as, as easy come, easy go, as as you please. Um, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, they're, they're a really good team. They, they are a good team. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I want to say that I would be the type to be like, "Ooh, fascinating, do it again." But I feel like I would just be terrified and scream, and be like, "I'm done." <laughs> well, um, I mean, if you ever get there's there's another thing as well. Actually, I'll, I'll try and keep this brief for you. Um, the there's one of the times that I had went home and I'd, again I sent Fra a message and was like, "Yeah, mate, do you want do you want to meet up for a chat? It's been a while since we've seen each other." And he goes, "Yeah, come on round to our office." And this is a different mill that they operate out of. There's, it's like an office block, old mill converted into various office blocks. And his office is in there. So I went in there one evening and was chatting away to him, you know, catching up, you know, what's the team like now? What new adventures have you been on, et cetera? What projects have you got coming up? All that sort of stuff. And in his office, all around the office is um, items that he's, uh, in his words, confiscated from people's homes. He would get uh, messages from people saying, um, there's strange stuff going on in my house. Uh, I'm at my wit's end. Can you come and do something about it? And he went, yeah, no bother. My team will come out around and do something. And he has found, you know, the glass bottles covered in wax. Uh, he's found old chests. He's found haunted dolls. He's found a load of things, uh, haunted books, etc. And there's one doll in particular. And looking at it, it does, you know, it's got an innocence... A creepy innocence, I guess you could say, is the best way I can describe it. Um, sat on like a little pedestal uh, underneath uh, a glass dome type thing, like a glass bell dome shaped thing. And uh, he was telling me that he'd confiscated that from some, uh, some house, whatever it was, uh, because uh, it has uh, a demon or you know a negative energy attached to it. <laughs> Jesus. And uh, I'm like, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. And he told me that uh. the mark that you see in the glass, because he comes out with like a permanent marker, and he marks on the glass uh, where, uh, you, you know, the sort of, he puts a line down there, uh, which if you look at it at a certain angle, you'll be able to tell whether it moved or not. And sometimes it'll be little subtle movements that, you know, if he goes out of the room and comes back in, it'll have moved a bit. There's one time where he said that the doll had done a full 180 and facing the no. other way. Oh. That's pretty cool. That sounds scary, yes. And then the yeah. next thing Fra does, he takes away the glass jar. I'm like, oh my God, where, where are we going with this? And he yeah. takes out the doll and he goes, hold it. I'm like, no, no I'm good, uh, thank you. No. And he's like, yeah, go and hold it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. The, this room, because uh, they regularly cleanse the room and all the, you know, the, uh, the objects in there. And he goes, it'll be fine. Just hold it. So I took it off him and I was holding it and I thought that I'm really uncomfortable right now. And he goes, uh, how do you feel? I'm like, if I'm honest with you, I'm feeling uh, a little bit uh, apprehensive here. It feels like there's like a static in my hand when I'm holding it. And he goes, yeah, oh. keep holding it. I was holding it. And, and he asked me a few seconds later, how do you feel now? And I'm like, do you know what? I'm a bit more relaxed with it now. It's uh, like I could take this home. I want to take it home. And he goes, that's, that's the, the demon away from you. And he takes it out of my hands and he sets it back on the pedestal and he puts the glass jar over it again and puts a new mark on it uh, to show whether it's moved or not. Um, yeah, it, it was, uh, I've got, I've got to have to remind Fra about that. That was really, really funny. It was good. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, no. yeah. So this is the point I need to take it from you. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. 
I, yeah, I've never, I would not have thought that that's where that was going <laughs> or that story. I thought you were going to feel dizzy or lightheaded or in pain, but yeah. It's a, no, I didn't feel anything like that. And, you know, I trust crazy. Fry. Uh, yeah, know, it's uh, true. 100%. I know he wouldn't let any harm come. I mean, this guy, whenever we were on some of our paranormal investigations in the Kremlin Road prison, he has a, a Fatigan uh, issued uh, exorcism kit. You know, it's got holy water in there. It's got black salt and all that sort of stuff. And you know, I've seen him use it in uh, in the prison. So this guy, he's he is a fountain of knowledge when it comes to investigating ghosts and the metaphysical side. So I would one hundred percent put my life in his hands, even if I felt a bit apprehensive. I know I, I wouldn't be in any danger. Hopefully, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, well, uh, Chris, yeah, we're right at about an hour already, and uh, I know that we are going to be jumping on to record with you next, but uh, I just wanted to to say thank you for, for being on and was wondering if there's anything that you'd like to promote so our listeners can go check out if you guys are on social media and your podcast and everything. Uh, yeah, no, again, thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it because it's not often I get to speak uh, as a guest on a podcast these days. Um, the only thing that I would promote is, uh, you know, we try to keep it simple. We're only on Facebook. We've got a Twitter account, which we've abandoned, and uh, yeah. a YouTube account, <laughs> which uh, we rarely ever use. But uh, you can mostly find us on Facebook. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that was our guest, Chris. As we're recording this outro, we just finished recording a podcast on with him so uh, he said that should be out by the time you guys are hearing it it's been three days that the the <laughs> episode's been out so definitely go check that out uh we probably already posted something on instagram and facebook so yeah hopefully y'all listened yeah it was i mean it was a lot of fun <laughs> felt like i had to preface everything again with the i was just realizing that he's like, oh, have you been in the UK? And I'm like, I've been to Southern Ireland, not Northern yeah. Ireland. And I was like, like, I've been, like, I've been to Ireland. Was, and in my head, I was like, hey, it's not the UK, sissy. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> I, I like after being super excited about uh, saying, yeah, I've been to Ireland. Then I was like, uh, it's the most dumb American thing that I've. That's what I was going to say. I feel like I had to preface everything with like, uh, sorry, I'm a dumb American. Um, and this was was. Uh, no difference or <laughs> realize how dumb I was after I said it. So apologies, Chris, but uh, hopefully we actually do plan to, to, well, we can't decide where we want to go uh, in the UK in particular, but we'll be yeah. making a trip out there. And then, uh, and then after we finished recording with, I was like, dude, he's called the North or like, he's part of the Northern Ireland UFO society. And we didn't even talk about. I know. The experience, uh, like the I was gonna try, things. I was gonna try and bring it up at the end, and Me then, too, dude. And then, <laughs> and then I was like, no. Outroing, I was like, mm, never mind. <laughs> yeah, same, same. We so, totally missed on that part. Chris, if you're miss, if you're listening to this, uh, we have had an experience. Uh, Michelle Marshall, I think, has had other experiences as well, possibly. Uh, but yeah, so we 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 missed an experience that would uh, align with your would you guys uh, research? And I would have loved to have hear, heard his thoughts on it. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, but we'll be in touch. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. sure either he'll be back on our podcast or we'll be back on his at some point. So, yeah. I feel, uh, yeah. yeah. How did, is it because we just had to record earlier than normal and our brains still were not functioning? <laughs> completely yeah. forgot. Uh, but, oh, well. 
It was good times, good times. So yeah, guys, uh, he's, so we're doing this episode and it's coming out uh, as you're listening to it on a Wednesday as usual, hopefully. Uh, and like I said, actually, no, by the time you're hearing this, the episode's already been out for two weeks, probably his. Oh, that's so, true, yeah. Yeah, so definitely uh, we posted something on Instagram uh, and hopefully you all had enough time to to listen to his episode. So you'll be listening out of order of recording, but I, I, uh, it was, it was fun being on his and I actually felt a lot more relaxed. Did you? Uh, yeah. I didn't feel I felt nervous the complete this time. Opposite. Really? I, literally like the whole time we were recording with him, I was like, all right, yeah, this is great. It's super cool. And then we jumped on a Skype to record with him and I was like, I'm freezing. My voice is shaking. Why am I so nervous? Um, I don't I don't know why. That was yeah. weird. And I and I think what helped me was that we were, we already we already did ours. So it yeah. was like it was just kind of like, oh, we're continuing for another hour type of thing, you yeah. know what I mean? So it didn't really feel although we like I said we did speak more about our experiences, I think it, it uh for me at least it felt like it was just continuing from the previous hour conversation that we had had. So uh yeah. We don't get very often to speak with uh people from other countries yeah no very much so like i said the only other person would have been very early on that she was but she was stationed in germany well i think wajid grew up in the uk too right yeah i guess i don't remember where he because i remember him talking but about stage maybe yeah because i think he's in yeah yeah but yeah so it was fun so you'll you'll hear a different acting accent. And I then was gonna that, say always enjoy an Irish accent, so that was that was yeah. pleasant to listen to as well. Well anyway, guys, if you'd like to contact us, check out our website at webelievedyou.com. On the website there's a tab where you can find all our social media, so make sure you go like, follow, and share on Facebook and Instagram. There's also a listen tab where you can listen to the show directly on our website or click the link to your favorite podcast listening site, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also give us a five-star rating on Apple, which helps us move up the ranks so more people can find us. And if you leave a review, we'll read it here on the show. If you want any of our merch, feel free to check out our merch tab where you can find a variety of t-shirts, caps, and hoodies designed by Michelle herself. There's also a donate button if you really want to help us out. And finally, if you all want to reach us besides DMing us on social media, you can click on the contact us tab where you can write in telling us what you want that you want to be interviewed. Sorry. We can keep you anonymous and only share the information that you want. You can also send in your stories for our stories of high strangeness. And if you send them in in Spanish, we can translate them for you as well. So don't be shy, guys. Share your stories with us because we believe. Do you? Do you?